Welcome back to The Curious Clinicians, a medical podcast that asks why. I'm Tony Brew, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Hannah Abrams and Avi Cooper. Hannah, how are you? Welcome, Winky, back. <laughs> it begins already. I had to take it before <laughs> someone else did. <laughs> and Avi, how are you? I'm great. We're definitely taking this Winky back for sure. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess you probably already know what we're talking about. So uh, we'll be talking about the curious cardiac rhythm, the Winky back heart block, uh, and why it has such a unique pattern on the ECG. So other than apparently the ability to create a pun within 10 seconds of recording, why are we talking about this, Avi? It's such a fascinating cardiac rhythm to me, and it's also very distinctive from other rhythms. And so I I sort of wanted to break down why it looks the way it does. So to begin, let's briefly summarize what Winky Back is. And in short, it's a form of heart block with progressive beat-to-beat prolongation of the PR interval. And eventually, after this progressive PR prolongation, one of the P waves doesn't conduct. After this non-conducted P wave, the cycle repeats with a return to that original PR interval length, followed by progressive prolongation again, and another dropped, you know, non-conducted P wave and so-called drop beat. And so, and it's also referred to in the literature as Mobitz type one. And have either of you seen this arrhythmia clinically? And if so, in what context? Yeah, to me, this hits the perfect med-ed, like interesting internal medicine combination of unlikely to hurt or kill the patient and very physiologically interesting. So I think of this happening in older adults or people with some sort of like baseline conduction delay, just like a first degree AV block. And I feel like I notice it and then I don't take a ton of notice of it unless I'm otherwise thinking about them as someone with an arrhythmia. My uh, experience with this arrhythmia matches Hannah's perfectly. Older patients, and I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And then, okay, that's not, I don't think, going to harm them. Let's move on. <laughs> and, you know, and it's it's funny because really anything, like you were saying, anything that slows down conduction through the AV node can elicit this. And whether that's sort of age-related, sort of cumulative damage to the conduction system, acute ischemia can do it, excess vagal tone, even nodal blockades, such as from beta blockers, like any of those things could potentially slow down conduction to the AV node and elicit a winky back. All right. So I guess to start with, we should probably learn a little bit of history about who uh, Dr. Winkyback was and how his name came to be attached and how we should be pronouncing it. <laughs> Can't promise pronunciation is correct on this, but his name was Carl Friedrich Winkiebach, and he was a Dutch anatomist and physician who in the late 1800s, he was actually on faculty at the University of Groningen in the Netherlands. And we know about him because of these fundamental clinical observations about the heart that he made, but apparently his first love was actually pathology. But because he was colorblind, he couldn't really discern different types of tissue under the microscope. And so out of necessity, gravitated away from pathology and toward the black and white tracings of cardiovascular physiology. And then in 1898, he was caring for a patient and he noticed something peculiar when he was examining their pulse. What happened was he found it to be irregular, but with a type of repeating pattern that he hadn't encountered before. And It was regularly irregular, if you will. So he astutely noted that the repeating pattern was as follows. A progressive delay between the A wave of the jugular vein pulse and carotid pulsation. So this delay between the A wave of the 
the jugular vein, and the carotid pulse got longer and longer with each heartbeat until there was an A wave that didn't have a corresponding carotid pulsation. (laughs) And this cycle repeated itself on this patient over and over. And he noticed actually a four to three pattern. So every fourth beat was dropped. He then traced this out mechanically on a smoked drum, which is also known as a chymograph, and then published this uh, description in 1899. And it actually corresponds exactly with what we know now as the winky back pattern. How amazing is that? <laughs> what? I mean, I I feel like I should be using the chymograph on rounds more often. Like I do physical diagnosis rounds with med students every few weeks. And the fact that I haven't bought the chymograph out, I feel like I am totally not affording them a good enough physical exam experience. Yeah, they're not getting the full experience. Way better than a Q-tip. Than like putting a <laughs> Q-tip on someone's neck and trying to balance it so that it amplifies. The- I, but the oh thing is God. like this is, I could say, oh, it's not that hard to find like a drop beat, right? That's a piece of cake. But the ability to find a, a progressively prolonged PR interval, that is some incredible physical exam skills. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised because this is the late 1800s, but it's impressive nonetheless. To me, it's almost incomprehensible. I mean, I think even the most subtle attuned physical diagnosticians today would really have a hard time replicating this, especially because Winkyback didn't know about the existence of either the sinus or atrioventricular nodes at all when when he observed this rhythm. They hadn't even been pathologically identified yet in 1898, but he he somehow figured this out. And to me, it's just a gargantuan achievement. Wow. Okay, and so so like, what did Mobitz do? Did Mobitz <laughs> yeah. also yeah, have how a did he get to name it, it like this after yeah. him? Yeah, where does where does Mobitz come into this party? Yeah, do they know each other? So we yeah uh, we already reviewed that Winkybach described this rhythm in 1898 1899. So um, Voldemar Mobitz was a, a Russian physician who was a, a generation younger than Winkybach, and he actually had access to early electrocardiograms in the 1920s, which uh, Winkybach didn't have. He had to use the chymograph. So using these very early electrocardiograms, he described different types of heart block and sort of characterized them, categorized them. And he characterized a particular arrhythmia that he noticed as Mobitz type 1, which corresponded to what Winkyback had described 30 or so years before. Okay. So that history is actually quite fascinating, but I, I'm particularly interested in the pathophysiology of this and how you can have a progressively prolonging PR and then suddenly drop a beat and then have it repeat. So can you take us through that? Yeah. So to understand why the winky back rhythm has this unique pattern, we first need to understand the concepts of absolute refractory period and relative refractory period. So the absolute refractory period encompasses most of the action potential within a myocyte. In sort of highly technical terms, that would be phases 0, 1, 2, 3, and part of 4. And that really encompasses almost all of the ventricular cardiac cycle on the EKG, including QRS and the T wave. So because there are four phases of the cardiac cycle, a myocyte spends almost the whole electrical cycle in the absolute refractory period. And this represents the period when the cell cannot depolarize at all because sodium influx channels are just unable to open. The relative refractory period, on the other hand, follows the absolute refractory period. And under normal circumstances, depolarization doesn't happen during the relative refractory period either, but rather occurs right after it ends, before a new absolute refractory period begins again. So depolarization can happen during the relative refractory period, but those sodium channels are still sort of relatively closed and harder to open. 
So a depolarization during the relative refractory period leads to a weaker, slower electrical impulse than normally timed depolarizations. Got it. Okay. So the typical myocyte spends most of its time living in a refractory period, the first part of which is sort of like absolute refractory, and then the second part is a relative refractory period. And if you depolarize during the relative part, it's just a weaker and slower sort of phenomenon. So what happens in Wankyback? So remember that Winkyback himself figured this rhythm out without even knowing what the AV node is at all. But the AV node is actually crucial to this heart type of heart block arising. So normally, to allow for efficient and coordinated pumping of blood in the heart, electrical impulse conduction from action potentials through the AV node, it's, it's fairly rapid, about 0.05 meters per second. Though it's actually slower than in other parts of the heart, and this is sort of makes sense because this allows the atria to fully empty before the ventricles start contracting. So now let's imagine, what do you think would happen if conduction through the AV node slowed down even more because of some issue affecting the AV node? Whether, like the examples we gave, whether it's intrinsic conduction disease, vagal tone, ischemia, beta blockers, um, what do you think? What would happen? Well, if it's occurring during the relative refractory period, it depolarization could still occur. But I think from what you said earlier, it would be delayed and weaker compared to a normal heat wave. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And and yeah, the atrial impulse would be sort of weaker. So slowed conduction is still conduction, right? So imagine an electrical stimulus arriving to a slowed AV node, sort of stimulus one, whatever. So depolarization goes through, but it's slow and weak. This extends the duration of the action potential. When the next electrical stimulus arrives, sort of stimulus two, it still occurs and transmits through the AV node. But instead of occurring after the relative refractory period of the first action potential, which is you know the normal order of events, the second depolarization occurs during the relative refractory period, right? And we'll actually link to a nice sort of 2015 study that demonstrate this, this phenomenon beautifully of it sort of moving sort of back into the relative refractory period. So how, we're talking about Winkyback, so I think I know the answer to this, but I think it'd be helpful to hear from you. <laughs> like how does this actually manifest, this slowing and overlapping depolarization, how does this manifest um, on the EKG? It's sort of like the first manifestation of the winky back pattern, right? So if you have depolarization within the AV node during the relative refractory period, this decreases the strength, the amplitude of the depolarization, and that increase and also increases its duration. It's longer. So this manifests in delayed conduction of the atrial impulse to the ventricles and a longer action potential. Both of these prolong the PR interval, right? So the PR interval for that second impulse, stimulus two, whatever you want to call it, is longer than it was for the first stimulus at the beginning of the winky back cycle. When a third action potential arrives to the AV node, the exact same issue occurs. Depolarization again happens within the relative refractory period of the previous action potential. This further weakens and delays the conduction of that atrial impulse, it extends the PR interval even more. So it gets longer and longer. And because the depolarization is delayed and the relative re refractory period keeps getting longer, each subsequent depolarization occurs earlier in that relative refractory period. And this is, you know, a, a, like we've done talked about before, some of these concepts can be sort of challenging to visualize. So we'll definitely post some diagrams in the show notes to make it easier to see. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to picture it all laid out in like a timeline kind of a fashion. So it seems like we spend a lot of, so the 
right after depolarization is the absolute refractory period. And then following that is the relative refractory period. And what's happening here is that we're essentially slowly moving back from instead of because the AV node is slowed down and then slowly the impulses are getting longer and longer, we're moving ourselves backwards into the relative refractory period, into the even more relative refractory period. And then I'm wondering what happens when we hit the absolute refractory period. I think I know. And do we, <laughs> does it get longer and then longer and then drop? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so, this <laughs> idea of this, the drop bead, right? And so, and the, the drop bead happens at the end of Winkyback. So with each subsequent depolarization, the action potential has been weaker and slower and happening earlier and earlier in the relative refractory period. At some point, often by like the fourth or fifth beat in the cycle, the depolarization signal arrives to the AV node actually in the absolute refractory period, meaning it moved farther and farther back until it actually is now landing in the absolute refractory period of the, the previous beat which you'll recall comes right before the relative refractory period. And so nothing will happen in the absolute refractory period because it's the absolute refractory period. The sodium channel simply won't open. You can actually see this happening because like the, the P wave is slowly moving further away from the QRS it's supposed to be attached to. And it's getting very close to that prior T wave. And if it gets to that prior T wave, that is absolute refractory. Like you can see it happening. I mean, am I getting that right? Yeah, exactly. It sort of hits a brick wall and there's going to be non-conduction. The atrial impulse is still going to happen, right? The atria are still firing. You're still going to have um, a P wave, but that atrial impulse can't get conducted to the ventricles, which shows up as a dropped beat on the EKG. And we can also call this a non-conducted B wave. So so then um, the cycle just repeats itself then. Like how, how does that all work? Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. So we think about the winky back cycle length, like in terms of the P to QRS ratio with one fewer QRS than P waves in any given cycle because of that non-conducted P wave at the end of the cycle. So typical ratios are like four to three or five to four. And exactly what the ratio will be is it's pretty much determined by when depolarizations shift back into the absolute refractory period. So earlier shifts lead to shorter cycles in a lower ratio, like four to three. And later shifts lead to longer cycles in a higher ratio like five to four. So hopefully that sort of demystifies this. Not, I wouldn't say it's like commonly seen, but it's out there and we see it oh, yeah. and it can sort of be startling, but it doesn't necessarily like affect the patient's care necessarily. We don't think of it as sort of a higher risk heart block per se, as opposed to say Mobitz 2, right? But I think it's still interesting to sort of understand how it works. And I think too, like this stuff is sort of like happening all the time right in front of us with our patients. And I think it's sort of, it's interesting to sort of be able to understand how this striking rhythm works. Well, and and for me, it makes me understand the power of the chymograph. I mean, come on. I like Carl Friedrich Wenkebach. What? Good on you, man. And also like, what an incredible story that like having like not been able to do pathology because he had color blindness like led to him discovering this with the chymograph. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because um, uh, Hannah and Avi know that I'm colorblind, um, but now all of you know I'm colorblind. And I was literally <laughs> the worst at histology for the same reason as uh, Dr. Winkybach. 
I uh, do not have a cardiac rhythm named after me because I do not know how to create yes, yeah, smoke tracings and or use the chymograph. So I'm working on it. Yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm Mobitz, I just find another rhythm and name it like Brew Type One, even though it's already been named Winky Pack. That seems like the way to go. <laughs> We should do it like the renal tubular acidosis, acidosis and have brew like brew <laughs> rhythms two, one, and four. I think that's our move. No, because then people will just hate me. <laughs> well, say we have an iron lung in like one of our administrative buildings here. So like maybe we could schlep out the iron lung <laughs> and a chymograph and we could just like. Yeah. Uh, that would have to be a crossover with bring bedside it, rounds. Bring it way, way winky back. Ayo. All right. So Avi. Can you give us your take-home points from this incredible story? So um, I guess the first take-home point would be that Carl Friedrich Winkieback was an incredible physical diagnostician. <laughs> but the other take-home points would be that the Winkieback pattern arises when decreased AV node conduction leads to longer, slower action potentials and depolarization that occurs during the relative refractory period. This progressively increases the PR interval with each beat, and eventually depolarization occurs during the absolute refractory period and the so-called brick wall. And this results in a non-conducted P wave because nothing can get through. Incredible. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of The Curious Clinicians. Thank you, as always, for joining us. As a reminder, you can join our mailing list at curiousclinicians.com to stay up to date on episode releases and have detailed notes delivered directly to your in-basket. Avi, Tony, and I are also doing an experiment. So if you actually listen to this part of the podcast, please DM us at CuriousClinPod on Twitter. We are excited to partner with VCU Health to offer CME and MOC credits for physicians and other healthcare professionals just for listening to this episode. So for more information, visit ce.vcuhealth.org slash curious clinicians. And as always, the information contained in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Until next time, we've been the Curious Clinicians.